This is Rusty Tanton and Amber Ray, and you're listening to Mostly ITP on the Georgia Podcast Network, the show focused on all things Atlanta and sometimes elsewhere. It's December 6, 2008, and I'm here with Franklin Vo. And you've done a lot of stuff. Um, among them is you've created a game called Onyx. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Okay, well, what to say about Onyx? Onyx is um, a game about sex, and the basic idea is that you can play it with two to six people, and it's kind of like Monopoly in the sense that you run around on a board and you buy properties and you um, sell properties, and it's kind of not like Monopoly in the sense that if you land on another player's property and you don't want to pay the rent, you can choose to work off the debt instead. And of course, once you decide to work off the debt well, then you draw a card that explains what you have to do in order to do that, and you, um, hmm, yes. You can be as explicit as you want on here. Oh, no, I bet that's not true. That's a trick. (laughs) We have the explicit tag on iTunes. Hmm, I think you're setting me up. (laughs) So it's a computer-based game. It's a computer-based game, yes. It it runs runs on Mac, Windows, and Linux. And how long has it been around? Ten years. This is the tenth. Ten years. Yes, this is the tenth year that Onyx has been out. Started out just as a Mac game. In the last uh, four years or so, it's been available for Windows and Linux also. A uh, little bit buggy under Ubuntu Seven. Works on every other version of Linux that I've tested it on. And you you did all the development on this. I did all of the development and um, didn't do all of the play testing. It's been out for ten years and I've only played it three times. And I think that's a travesty, honestly. I think that's very, very sad. The, that was kind of sad. <laughs> yes. The, but, um, the cobbler's children have no shoes. Yeah. Well, what made you originally decide to create this game? I started working on it because I wanted to teach myself Mac programming. And I had done a lot of programming for CPM and for um, Solaris and things like that beforehand. But I didn't know anything at all about Mac programming. wanted to teach myself Mac programming. wanted it to be an interesting project. I hate Hello World. And, well, for me, if it sucks, it's interesting. So I was like, well, if you want to be good at something, combine it with something you already love. And yeah. uh, the rest was obvious. And how long did it take you to get the first uh, release of it done? The first release was done in about a year. And I've been slowly um, tinkering with it, changing it. It's very different now from the way it was 10 years ago. Much, much more sophisticated game these days. But uh, the game knows all of the players' sexes. It knows all the players' sexual orientations. It won't pair people up in inappropriate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, lets you set how kinky you want the action to be. It lets you specify how far you want to go. You can play it on a low level, and then you don't ever get completely naked. It's basically like spin the bottle. You play it on the highest possible level, and, uh, well, let's just say it's not like spin the bottle. <laughs> well, when you first created the game, how did you get the word out about it? Because the internet was not quite as pervasive 10 years ago as it is today. That's uh, That was a big problem, and actually the word didn't get out very well. In fact, it hasn't been more than the last five years or so 
that it's really started exploding. Mm -hmm. It's seen one of these exponential growth curve things where, mm -hmm. you know, for a long time you get nothing, 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 nothing. And then all of a sudden you wake up and everybody in the world has heard of it. Right. And actually that's really cool. That's, I'm very, very happy with that. And if I could just get off my butt and get the newest revision done, I'd be much happier. Well, what kind of feedback have you gotten about it over the years? Um surprisingly little oh my god you're a freak you're going to burn in hell which is the kind of feedback I'd actually expected to get uh, a lot of people one of my earliest playtesters playtested it at um, University of Texas and I gotta say I think those people are probably having more fun than anybody anywhere else in the world she sent me back a piece of feedback and she was like well people need to be able to leave the game in the middle because I play with five of my friends. There are four of us women and two guys. And as soon as they get off, they're done. They don't want to play anymore. But we want to keep playing. So can you add a feature that will let somebody leave the game in the middle? And that was one of the things that got added. And I had people say, well, you know, um, you've got a limit of 400 different actions that you can have in one file, one, one card deck file. And uh, I've been working on my own custom card deck with all of my own actions and all of the, the stuff that I want to do. And I keep running into that 400 action limit. So, you know, can you do something about that? Which is actually slated for the next release. But, yeah, there are a lot of people out there who I think are having a lot more fun than I am. <laughs> but so the 400 cards, that's actually um, a way in which the game is sort of uh, user-generated content. Yes, exactly. Um, how does that work exactly? Well, there are five different card deck files, and um, they contain different types of action cards. Like, for example, if you pay off the rent for somebody, it will draw an action card for you, and it will describe what you have to do to the other person, the property owner, in order to pay off the rent. Mm -hmm. uh, there are special squares, like there's a torture chamber square. When you land there, all of the other players of the appropriate sex and orientation um, are given an action that they have to do to you to torture you or torment you or whatever. And each one of these um, files has all of these actions in it that are drawn at the appropriate time. And you can actually create your own actions. There's a card deck editor that comes with the game. So if you don't like an action, you can delete that card. If you do like an action or if you think there's something that isn't in the game that should be, which it's surprisingly difficult to come up with hundreds and hundreds of kinky things to do to your partner all in one sitting. So if you think there's something missing, you can write your own cards but uh, I honestly, I, when I first created it, I was like, well, you know, nobody's going to write more than 400 actions in one deck because, you know, it's surprisingly difficult to come up with 200. Mm -hmm. But obviously I was wrong. Proven wrong, yeah. Yes. And like I said, there are a lot of people out there who are having a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so, yes, um, registered users can create all of their own actions. They can edit the existing card decks. They can create their own card decks. One of the things that I've always wanted to do on the website is set up a card deck exchange program where you can upload your decks and let other people download them and play them. And that's something that I keep getting people uh, asking me to do. And then every time I've tried it, nobody actually wants to do it. People want to download decks, but they don't want nobody to upload wants to be them. the first to actually Exactly. And I don't know if it's because, you know, it's really... Um, very revealing when you actually post a list of things that you like to do in bed mm -hmm. to the internet or if it's just it's a lot of work to sit down and come up with a few hundred things to do to somebody so and you wouldn't think that it would be you wouldn't I think, think it, that would it would be, be but, but it is <laughs> um so have you found that the players of the game are 
Is it kind of a self-selecting audience, like people who are already in open relationships or some type of sexual exploration, or is it is it kind of acting as a social lubricant in some ways? A little bit of both. I don't get a lot of fundamentalist Christians among my registered users. Uh, I have found that mo the majority of the people who register it say that they just use it with their partner, and you can play the game with two people, and um, you know that's really it's a lot of fun. But what I have had a lot of people consistently tell me is that the game gives them a, a way to explore things that otherwise they wouldn't. Maybe that's, you know, having sex with some of their friends that they've always kind of been interested in, you know, and exploring group sex for the first time or trying kink for the first time. It's almost like what happens is it gives you an excuse, you know, it gives you a reason. So it's, it's a little bit less scary and a little bit less threatening to try all of these new things when you're doing it in a safe context like that. And the game has mechanisms that you can opt out if you don't want to do something. You can gather, um, as you play the game, you can gather opt-out tokens, and if you are assigned to an action that you don't want, you can cash one of those in, and you don't have to do it. So it gives people uh, a sort of a safety net. So it lets them explore new things without really you know, being as threatening as it is you know, if you're just trying it for the first time and you don't have that kind of context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things um, Regina Lynn wrote about this, uh, wrote about the game recently, and um, that was one of the things she mentioned, that it kind of gives you permission, mm -hmm. or gives you, like, it tells you you have to do this in a way, and so it's not like you just initiating it, it's, I guess yeah. some people would need a feeling of, of permission, because, it, I mean, it can be awkward, you know, to just... Try to initiate things with people. It can give you permission, and it also can make it a lot less uh, threatening if somebody, you know, cashes in their opt-out and says, no, well, it's not a personal rejection. That's right. a that's part of the game. That's, you know, really um, the idea of opting out is something that's built deeply into the game. So it lets you try new things that maybe you've wanted to explore in a safe context where you don't have that fear of rejection, where you do have that sort of context that gives you permission to try it. And uh, in fact, Regina wrote about that. Uh, she said the, um, what was the title? How Onyx Made Me Gay My or something? My computer made me gay. My computer gave, <laughs> made me gay, which I think I owe an apology to all of the men in the country for that, but um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, well, before we started recording, you were telling me about some other ways that the game had been used that were interesting and surprising to you. What, what were those? Uh, William Gibson, who's one of my favorite writers, says the street finds its own uses for things. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely true. I had a, uh, an email from a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I can't remember which, who does uh, couples therapy. And he had erased all of the cards that come with the game and rewritten all of the actions so that they were more about talking to your partner, opening up to your partner, um, things like that. And he uses it in his couples therapy as a game to um, teach communication skills and to teach his clients how to talk to each other about what's bothering them or about what they want out of the relationship. That's a use for the game that had never occurred to me that I didn't ever expect. So I thought that was really interesting. But so, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense though because it seems like the whole point of it is to facilitate communication, whether it's sexual or some other form of communication. Mm -hmm. And I tend to think about sex first, you know, because I'm kind of a pervert that way. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when I was thinking about the game, and there are cards in there that say things like, um, 
describe a fantasy that you've had that you've never told anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a sense, there are some cards that were sort of leaning in that direction already. But it never occurred to me that it could be used in quite that way, you know, outside of the, hey, let's have kinky sex. Right. And that sort of um, brings me to another interesting thing you did recently. um, And you had mentioned before we started recording that... um, a psychologist had utilized this tool too. You created the sex map. The map of the human sex sexuality. Map that you've probably seen all over the internet. If you haven't seen it all over the internet, well, obviously we don't move in the same circles, but um, just what is it for people who might be living in a cave? Well, uh, the map of human sexuality is a map that I did sort of in a uh, you know classical old um, explorer's map sort of ways that it was designed to show the full well or as full as i could get range of human sexual expression and the reason that i did it was that i keep running into people over and over again who say things like oh well you know i've always wanted to try things like bondage and kinky stuff like that but i don't want to do too much because you know i'm 25 and i'm afraid by 30 i'll run out of new things to try and then i'll always be bored because you know i'll have done it all and and that strikes me as, as being a, a very, um, hmm, how to put this tactfully. The range of human expression is larger than most people realize it is. And so what I had wanted to do was I had wanted to create sort of a graphical way to show how broad the, hum, the range of human sexuality is. So I did this map. I put it up on my life journal. It really quickly got completely out of hand, and I did not expect the kind of reaction that I got to it. Uh, emails started pouring in. Uh, people started commenting on my journal. I got so much email off of that post. It was just mind-blowing. And people said, oh, well, that's a great map, but you forgot this, and you forgot this, and you forgot this. So uh, I made a, a second version of the map and expanded it even more. And then everybody said, well, this is great. You need to make it interactive so that I can click on the map and I can show, you know, put little pins in the map and show all the things that I like. So I finally did that, and then I started getting tons and tons of email from that, which, you know, is, again, has just completely run away from me. But I got an email among the pile of emails that I had received from the interactive version of the map from another psychologist who also uses it in couples therapy, because what he said that he's found is that it's a great communication tool, where it can be really, really scary and threatening to tell your partner, oh, I've, I fantasize about being tied down, or, you know, I fantasize about this, or whatever it is. You know, we've, we live in a culture that really does not encourage us to talk openly about sex at all. So he said what he does is when he has partners who have trouble expressing what they want in a relationship, um, he will have each one of them go off and use the map and they'll put little pins in the map that show all the things that they've always wanted to try or all the things that they fantasized about. And then when they're done with that, he will have each one of them look at the other person's map, you know, and see where the intersection is and see where the the areas are that maybe they can explore together, which I think is a really interesting use for the map. And uh, again, totally was not what I was thinking of when I wrote it, when I created it. And okay, so when you made the map, do the areas that border each other is there is there any correspondence i mean do you see it as kind of a continuum where if it borders something else it's more likely to be involved like how did how did you 
I had, at first that. I had wanted to do it that way and I'd wanted to sort of geographically group things that were related and then quickly realized that actually it's impossible to do it that way. Yeah. So the areas are more or less arbitrary. Okay. Um, there are mountain ranges where the farther north you go, usually for most people, and of course everybody is slightly different, but for most people uh, they will perceive it as the farther north you go and the farther you go uh, away from the mountain ranges, the kinkier or the more extreme the particular activities are. But that it's such a subjective thing, and there are so many different possible correlations and relations between different activities that really it's not realistic to do it in two dimensions. So, yeah, it is pretty arbitrary. It really is. I was wondering about that because I was thinking that it would it would be impossible to make you know connections and correlations because people can be into any number of things and you just you just never know. Mm-hmm. And some things are kind of related. Like for a lot of people, things like uh, sadomasochism and uh, bondage are kind of related to each other in the sense that people who are into one are often, not always, often into the other as well. So they neighbor each other. But, but even those uh, are kind of like umbrella terms. Oh yeah, definitely. Those, there's so much more. And there's so many little, there's so many little um, fiefdoms and, and little little territories inside of each one of those. And you know, I tried to be as exhaustive as I can, but even now I'll be driving down the street and I'll think, hey, wait a minute, there's something that isn't on the map. And I'll make a note in my iPhone, and uh, one of these days I'm going to have to update that map. And I really have to make the interactive version a lot less primitive as well, because it's, it's appallingly crude. I did it in a weekend, and it's, it's really, the programming on the, on the back end is awful. But uh, well, That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have to hack something. It works. And actually, I did that in part to teach myself um, database programming, mm-hmm. because the, the map was the first database project that I have ever done completely from scratch that wasn't modifying somebody else's code. So I spent about a weekend just teaching myself how to set up the database and how to make the interactivity happen and how to, to uh, set it up so you can click on the map and place pins and then communicate with the database. It took me about 2,000 Google searches probably. God bless the Oracle at Google. How did we ever get anything done before Google came along? I ask myself that sometimes. I want a Google Jack in my brain, so all I have to do to do a Google search is think about it. But it took me about 2,000 Google searches to figure it all out and <laughs> yeah. uh, to figure out how to communicate between the front end and the back end and how to get the, uh, the coordinates that everybody had clicked on on the map back to um, the database. And then, of course, it sometimes breaks in Internet Explorer 6 because... That's what it does, yeah. But uh, I was very pleased that I was able to make it work. And now I have to go back and fix some of my appallingly hideous code. And people keep asking for more functionality. I'm still getting quite a bit of email from it. People keep asking for all kinds of new functionality. So eventually, eventually. Now, have you had any specific engagement um, with either of these things with the Atlanta community, or has your focus been just mainly internet-based all over the place? Oh, it's internet all over. Um, I've actually only been in Atlanta for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really been all over. I don't really feel like I've connected very well with the various communities in Atlanta. I mean, I know the Atlanta BDSM community is enormous, but, uh, but I really haven't connected with it that well. Well, do you have any uh, final thoughts to add or where we can find you online? Um, you can find me online all over the place. Um, my live journal is at tacit.livejournal.com. 
Uh, if you will look there, you will find tutorials on um, BDSM and tutorials on kinky sex, pictures of my cat, um, Obviously. rants about computer security. I actually spend quite a bit of time talking about computer security and sex on that blog. Uh, you can find Onyx um, at simtoys.com, which is S-Y-M-T-O-Y-S.com. You can actually download a copy of it for free. Um, you can find me at zeromag.com. It's X-E-R-O-M-A-G.com. And that's a, a, this enormous, sprawling website that's got kink and BDSM and polyamory and uh, essays and articles about computer security and all kinds of good stuff. Um, and if you just do a Google search for me, you will definitely find me. All right, great. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. The song you heard in this podcast was Flux by Drop Trio, available only on Magnatune.com. Thanks for listening to Mostly ITP on the Georgia Podcast Network. Visit us at gapodcastnetwork.com. If you have a question, comment, or drunken rant, leave us a voicemail by calling 678-389-9441. Who knows, it might be featured in a podcast. You can also email us at info at gapodcastnetwork.com.